Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 239. I'm your host, Blaine Putney. I'm joined now by my co-host, Matt Smith. Good evening. And Treg Wilson. Hello. So it's been a, it's been a spell. Uh, we had a little bit of a gap between episodes again. Uh, for our listeners, please understand, we're, we're rather busy with our day jobs, especially Matt prepping aircraft to go. Treg, you know, I guess, putting together workout lists for you know, Spotify and, and me. That's a hard job. Yeah. And I'm just sharing it online. That's, that's my job. (laughs) Fleet dive unit has sea training coming next week. Everything's hitting the fan. There you go. I'm busy answering 20 emails a day from C from uh, FDU. (laughs) And no, they're not all from Treg, just some of them. I don't even email you. I avoid you as much as possible. <laughs> oh, you called me twice this week. It was it was a banner week. Oh, yeah. Not not because I wanted to. No. <laughs> and, and as an aside, no one has called me yet. I don't expect them to. <laughs> <laughs> For those who are listening that don't catch on, that's okay. It's just work stuff. Now, um, The Canadians have had a busy week while we were working and doing our thing, uh, defending this nation. Mm. Or uh, in in my case, basically just collecting a paycheck and trying not to get in trouble. Trying, not succeeding, just trying. I was told to be less less sarcastic to my chief today, so... (laughs) I've been told that many times. Uh, I was like, okay. Could could be why I'm not a chief already. Uh, All right. So the Canadians themselves uh, have had a busy week, a couple of games. Um, They played Winnipeg and Calgary. Slightly different outcomes in each. Uh, There's been a bunch of, uh, there's some injury updates. There's some uh, new hires. We'll get into all that. So we're just going to start it off with, uh, an injury update. So Andrew Hammond, after an, a really solid game in Calgary, uh, he's been, apparently he's got a, a lower body injury and he's going to miss a game. They called up Caden Primo 
in the meantime, because they have a game against Edmonton this weekend. Um, there's no other updates on anyone else's health. It's pretty much status quo everywhere else. But there's some kind Jake of monkey paw issue going on because everybody's getting hurt. Jake Evans, isn't he out? It, 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 uh... Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. Upper body uh, injury. Yeah, he took a couple of hits to the head in the game against Calgary. Yeah, that's right. Other than that, no updates. <laughs> Unless. Wait. No, no one fell out of a taxi okay. cab yet. So I got, I got not even Weidman? No. <laughs> he doesn't fall out of them. He just doesn't keep his mouth shut while he's in them. He gets recorded in them. Yeah. <laughs> he uses Ubers now just be just to be safe. Uh, all right. So we'll move on. Uh, there was a trade to announce. It was uh, Michael McNiven for future considerations. Uh, Matt, you have a little bit of info on that. I think that this was just a, a move to get him out of the get him out of Montreal. To be honest, um, he was he was vocal at times with uh, his usage within the organization, and uh, it it just it, I think it was just a matter of time where he left because uh, they were using Samuel Pul or Samuel Pul yeah or uh, Kevin Poulain. They're using Kevin Poulain more than him. Um, he has, he's never really been able to take the the bull by the horns and, and, and jump any of these uh, players, any of these goaltenders throughout his time with the Canadians. Um, but like we were talking off air about this and he's not really, he's, he's, he's a, he's a, he's a restricted free agent, I believe at the end of the year. And he's not really going to a, I'm not gonna say he's not going to a better organization, but he's, he's, he's not, leapfrogging anybody to be any closer to his dream of being an NHL goaltender, even an AHL starter at this point with, with guys that are in the organization, mainly guys like Dustin Wolf. So wish him all the best 100%. Um, however, the Montreal Canadians and their organization aren't really any worse for wear without him, especially with the young goaltenders that Canadians currently have coming up in their systems. The irony is he's going to have less playing time now going to Calgary than he would have had it in Laval because with Hammond hurt, Primo going up, there was an opening at the AHL level. That's right. And he likely would have got some starts there, even though uh, Kevin Poulin was actually just named uh, AHL goaltender of the month. And he's been playing stellar since he's come up from, um, from Trois-Rivières. Yeah, he was 5-0-1, I think, with a yeah. 9-20 save percentage. He's been playing very well. Treg, thoughts on that? Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> hockey Twitter or Habs Twitter was a shitstorm when it came to McNeff, especially when he came out and said he didn't like the way he was handled with the Montreal Canadiens organization. He thought he should, should I get a better chance? But I look at it the other way. He didn't play well enough to get the better chance. He did, like Matt said, he didn't outplay anyone else. He didn't... Uh, leapfrog anyone he didn't uh, i mean charlie lingren was ahead of him caden primo came in and went straight ahead of him uh uh i guess you could say the organization put those goalies in that position to go ahead of him but uh i mean if you look overall his ahl stats are average or below average really he's got like a less than 900 save percentage in the ahl i think for a career um 
he's roughly a 500 goalie and I mean he was he was just a signing he was a he was a undrafted signee with the Canadians they gave him a shot and what more does he want and now he's gone to an organization where he's going to be sixth on the depth chart if uh Pierce is it Pearson or Pearson is Kyle it? Parsons Kyle Parsons comes back from the from the injury because he's you know uh I mean, I wish him the best. I mean, I hope it works out for him, but. I think what ended up happening to McNevin is um, more or less when Keith Kincaid was sent down and then they had to find a place for Kincaid to play. So they, they, they left him in Laval and it left McNevin bouncing around from team to team in the ECHL. And I think maybe that's when, you know, his, uh, you know, his spirits towards the Canadians kind of changed and he finally did get his opportunity to play with the Canadians. And it was a, it was a uh, performance that we're not going to really discuss because it was not, uh, it was not very good. So as, as, as I said, wish him all the best in, uh, in Calgary. You never know if he's going to stay there or not, if he's going to get, you know, a, a contract somewhere in the AHL, he, he can play. We know he can play. It's just he's not he's not he's not at that level right now where he can be a full time AHL starter and he's and obviously we've seen with that one performance that he had that he's not ready for the NHL quite yet either. Now, you guys mentioned this could have been a developmental issue, and the Canadians have made a hiring. Uh, it is the worst kept secret in Montreal, as Eric Engels broke this story about a week and a half ago. Uh, they have hired Adam Nicholas. Uh, a skills coach who recently was working as a contract coach for uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, working with the Chicago Steel organization. Uh, They've hired him as the director of player development. So this is a a position that was really never given any real teeth or guidance. So they bring in someone who is highly regarded. According to Eric Engels, uh, he spoke to people around the league and this is a home run. Uh, I called a couple of friends who are trainers um, in a couple of different levels. And they say that this guy is unbelievable. Like within a, within a couple of months of working with a player, they, they, they're completely transformed. So having someone in that position with that focus, maybe that could have helped McNiven. Maybe not because the goaltenders are slightly different. But the big knock on the Canadians organization for the last, what, 10 years has been a lack of development. And now with him, they're going to be focusing on that. That's going to give a little bit of help to uh, Rob Ramage and to uh, Frankie Bouillon and getting them around there. Maybe they'll hire more coaches. They'll definitely have a different approach. What's your take on it, Trey? I think it's a great idea, much or great idea, great move by the Canadians. Uh, it seems like Gordon and Hughes are hitting home runs with every hiring they make. Uh, uh, this guy, they said right from the start that they they want to uh, have a better development system put in. They want to draft better. They want to, you know, figure out you know things differently than what they did before. Uh, it's a breath of fresh air to see Montreal come into the modern age of uh, the way hockey is being done. Uh, I mean, they're even going to put an analytics department in there. So I think eventually, see, I think we're going to see Victor Mete back as a top four defenseman <laughs> with the Canadians. Um, and that's, that's the Stanley cup right there. 
uh, him and Mike Riley. Who are they hiring the Tiger team? You can't, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. So, uh, um, uh, but I, I think it's great. Uh, finally, to get someone. I mean, look at Sean Farrell. He was playing under him in the uh, in, with the Chicago Steel last year. I mean, I think that was a little bit more of experience and age too, because he should have been in the uh, university. But I mean, he 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 was with him for a solid year, and his he went night and well, it wasn't night and day, but he he progressed incredibly the next season. Um, I mean, he walked right into the NCAA as a point per game player. Was yeah. more than a point per game at the Olympics. Yeah. He was given that extra step to get help him out. Correct. So, and you're looking at has Sean Fields what a seventh round draft pick, fifth round, seventh, fifth, fifth, a fifth. fifth round draft bat, draft pick, and he's probably going to make the NHL. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm happy about it. it. It's good to see now if a now we can have a clear vision of if a player doesn't work out on whether or not it was development or the player itself instead of having that question. Well, was he developed wrong? Uh, is it just him? Yada, yada, yada. Uh, and you can go back to the whole cotton enemy scenario where, you know, he's doing exactly in, in Carolina what he did in Montreal. So I think it was a little bit of column A and column B with him. But uh, um, now we know for sure we can say, well, they put the best, they put a development team in place and they're working hard to develop these kids. If they're not developing, then it's probably on them and not on the organization. Now, Speaking of fifth round picks uh, and development, uh, Joshua Roy, Canadian's fifth round pick from last uh, from the last draft, has been exploding on the QMJHL scene. He is on pace for 132 points this year. This is a massive increase over his previous years. Uh, he has decided to put a little bit more focus into his off season training and his nutrition and his care for himself between games. And it's paying off. So we're seeing for the first time since Radulov was in the queue, a player on pace for 132 points. That would be impressive. Does he lead the queue in points right now? He's leading the queue in points by about 10. Okay. Cause he was third there for a while. And then he, uh... well, he had like 24 points in the last eight games. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Good for him. We need, uh, I think the Canadians need a, a solid French player that, uh, or Francophone player on the team. It's, I think it's, it would be nice to get one of those late round gems that turn out like, you know, like Gallagher did. He was a fifth round pick who turned into a 30 goal scorer. It would be nice to have another player like that. If Erwa can pull into the NHL in the next couple of years and become a 20 goal scorer, that'd be a massive home run with a fifth round pick. Fifth round pick was a solid third, second line player. Yeah. Was it, good, oh, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say it's almost good as picking up a waiver pick like Rem Pitlick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Joshua Roy to me was a little bit of a steal at the draft. We didn't really know what you were going to get from him, but this is a guy that was a, uh, he was a first round, he was a first overall pick of the Q draft. Usually when you get a player that's picked in that position, you're going to get something. And um, it took him a little bit while to get going. But we saw him at development camp. He was one of the better young players that was there. And he really um, took what he learned at development camp and threw it into his season so far with the QMJHL uh, with, uh, with Sherbrooke. As you said, he's got 74 points in 38 games, was just named uh, player of the week. 
he's uh, he's on a tear, and it's 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 very it's very good to see. It's going to shut up some of the people that are, uh, you know, francophone this, francophone this, francophone this. You know, no English on the team, etc. It's going to really help them out. And um, going back to them with their with their last hire of uh, Adam Nicholas, I, I think it's just going to point these uh, young players like Wah, Kidney, Mysak, uh, Arbor Jacki, all those guys into the right direction. Yeah, it'd be really nice to see a line of um, of Roy Tuck, my sack. <laughs> really light it up in the AHL. Absolutely. I will say this, though. Uh, our buddy Matt Bedard, Scotia Canadian, made a good point. Yeah. Uh, today. And it, it actually goes with a lot of these recent draft picks as well. These were all acquired or drafted by Mark Bergman. Yeah. Um, so you have Joshua Waugh. Caden Gooley, Logan Mayu, um, Arbor Jacka, Jacka, yeah, um, all these guys that are probably going to make the NHL. Uh, Jesse Olinen, um, and it really shows that the drafting got a lot better the last three or four years under uh, Bergevin and Timmins. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how many of those actually work out for the Canadians and and and, and come up now. Some I think a few to be signed, but I think a few more of them are going to work out for the Canadians simply oh, because definitely. the new management team went out and hired more developmental coaching. Yeah. And I didn't even mention Harrison Struble and all the other guys down in the NCAA. So yeah. uh, you know, Harris Farrell, Sean Farrell, who Yeah, Blake Biondi, Stapley, yeah. all them, yeah. all the guys that have yeah. taken the next step forward. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we're getting off topics a little bit, but it's interesting to see how these draft picks work out for the Canadians in the future. I mean, Logan Mayu was a steal at 31. Uh, talent-wise, yes. Talent-wise, talent-wise. Um, and if the incident didn't happen, I dare say he gets picked in the top 20. So Or higher. Uh, or higher. Top 15, probably. Um, and, it did, I, I mean, I'm excited to see so like him and Gooley on a, on a, on a pairing together on, on, a, on the Canadians. If Mayu signs with the Canadians, if, I mean, there's a lot of ifs when it comes to Mayu. Yeah. There's a lot of work to do to get past that criminal behavior yeah. of his yeah. in the past. So they got till June of next year to sign. Yeah. Him. So yeah, exactly. I think, I think they're just gonna let him see that he can continue down the path that he's in right now, continue down that, uh, um, all the counseling that he's doing and, and, and all that, uh, the work that he's putting in with the London Knights. And then I believe we'll see a, uh, we'll see a signing. Yeah. Yeah. They'd be, they'd, be, they'd, they'd be silly to let him walk. I don't think they will. All right. So uh, moving on from that, uh, we're going to talk about the last couple of games. So um, we'll start with Winnipeg's uh, the game against Winnipeg. Um, that is a game the Canadians could have won. I'm yes. going to be honest. I'm going to bl- uh, the blame for this falls squarely on goaltending. You can't yes. win a game if your goaltending is a 600 save percentage. And there was at least four goals that were very stoppable goals. That yeah, the first couple right away, within the first three minutes of the game, being down two nothing right away, especially on shots that he could have had. And you can tell that he thought so because he did his usual slam the stick or 
you know, throw his arms up in the air thing and then squirt the water in his face. His little routine he does after he lets up a goal that he feels is a bad goal. Um, so just before we get into that, this was the first game in the NHL where a team was up by four goals, lost the four goal lead, and then won by four goals. Well, apparently they had to take turns in scoring, like, like a like a peewee game. <laughs> but the, I, I mean, props to the Canadians for coming back down four nothing and coming back and tying the game. Uh, and then nearly taking the lead on that yeah. penalty shot. Yeah, uh, Ren Pitlick had the penalty shot, and then they came back and scored on the power play. But the power play, the penalty kill was crap that night as well. Yes, but, it was. I mean, I will say this. Two of the four PK goals, again, were stoppable goals that uh, – Especially you know, the go-ahead. The go-ahead goal was the yeah, worst when yeah. uh, he just he, – you can literally say, okay, this side of the net is available. Go ahead and shoot at it. Um, but he had time I mean, to write a letter first. Yeah. Montembeau has been playing well. I'm not, I'm not going to trash him. Like I he just mean, had a bad game. He, he had did. a bad game. He, he, he had about a month where he was playing pretty good hockey. Uh, I mean, I, I even said, I'm eating crow. I, I said, I don't even think he, he's an AHL starter at best. Still think he's a fringe NHL backup, but, uh, um, he, when he's bad, he's bad. Uh, yeah. it's just the way it is. And this is another, this is a big reason why I don't feel he's going to be um, in the plans for the NHL team next year, maybe signed as an AHL goaltender on a two-way deal, but I don't see him being in their plans, uh, you know, going forward. Oh, we can, we can make do with him and Allen kind of thing. I I I do see them trying to find someone else. Yeah. I I think that'll determine on where they find the chow or Dobes is on their, on their progression. Yeah, yeah, I don't I think, think they're going to be signing a deal anytime soon either, those two. Yeah. So, um, so, I mean, but back to the game. Seeing Anderson score that hat trick was a thing of beauty. Like he, he showed what a power forward can do for the Canadians. And he was on, on his game. He was, he was displaying some leadership. He didn't quit on the game when they were down for nothing. You could see him on the bench you know, chatting the guys up, doing the rah-rah thing. And I'm going to be honest, if this is a game that happened uh, under the former coaching staff. If they lost 8-1. They would have lost 10 to nothing or 10 yeah. to 2 or something like that. But with with a new coach, with a new outlook, um, Anderson stepping up and trying to fill some of that leadership void, they made a game of it for a while before it got away from them again. I, I'm – you know what? I'm cheering for – I'm going in for Anderson as captain of the Canadians next season. Uh, I think he has a – and it goes back to when Caden Primo had that bad game last year. Uh, he was out in the hallway at the uh, – I believe it was at, at the Bell Centre. And uh, it was Anderson that came up to him, had a chat with him, and patted him on the back and, and gave him the pep talk. Um, I do believe if Gallagher stays with the Canadians, it's probably going to go to him or Suzuki. Uh, I think Suzuki, but uh, Anderson is just a different player this year. And under March St. Louis, he's on fire. That whole line is on fire. He's St. Louis is letting them have their creativity. A power forward needs to be able to create. He's very North South and he, he doesn't have to play in that system that Ducharme had them in anymore. He's free to go. Anderson's even passing better. And Anderson's not a very good passer. Let's, let's be honest. He, he's not. It's true. And, and he's even making better passes. He's playing, and uh, 
I'm just excited because you're seeing guys with skill and speed like Anderson, Suzuki, and Caulfield just killing it on Martin St. Louis. Well, it's a legit first line. And yeah. now as for him being captain material, I mean, some players, they I think their leadership does better if they're not given a letter and they're given that that weight that they have to carry, especially in Montreal. I think Anderson's more that kind of player where he can he can be more focused on behind the scenes kind of things, not having to worry about having to talk to the press every night. I think he'd be better for that. I don't know. I think he should be captain. <laughs> I'm going for it. I'll throw I'll throw my hat my hat in there and just say he should at least have an A. I'll be happy with that. Yeah, he should at least have an A. Because well, I honestly pe- think if Gallagher stays, he's the next captain of the Canadian. More than likely. Um, depending on how they decide who's captain, who's not. Is it the team deciding? Is the players deciding? How management's going to play that? We'll find out in the summer. Because let's be honest, Gallagher may not even be here this summer. And that's why I say if he's there. Yeah, yeah. a lot of changes are coming. And also it's a lot of guys that have uh, letters on their jerseys. So, yeah, we can't, uh, we can't ignore the fact that even though under St. Louis in his first 10 games, they're at a 600 pace. They got six wins, four losses, which is, by far better than they were under Ducharme. Absolutely. Like by far. By, Nonetheless. By 400% points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, this team does have holes. There's mm-hmm. several holes that need to be filled, and this management team is going to have to strip away some cap to be able to start filling those holes with, with young roster players, perhaps with uh, some shrewd signings, a couple of trades. It's going to take a little bit of time, and that's why I think that maybe Gallagher might be gone because the fact that it's going to take this amount of time, he's the kind of guy who doesn't do well when he's not winning. Like He gets angry. He's very competitive, and I can't blame him. But, too, management's already said they want to be uh... – they want to go hard at the free agents and the, and the, and the, and if that's the case, the average age of free agency this year is 28. So they're not after it. I don't know. I think they're going to try to go for an aggressive rebuild like New York Rangers did and try yeah. to uh, fill the holes with young players and some mind you, they did say they're going to be hard on free agents, but they want star talent. So they're not just going to be signing Paquette and Perros of the free agency. Uh, they're going to go after a Latang or a Bergeron or a, I'm not saying they're going to get them, but they're going to, they're going to will be a UFA again and he'll be, I'll probably be back as their second line center, but that's, <laughs> that's uh, so thanks, John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's probably at, the at one the thing I don't like about MSL right now is that I think Paling should be in Dauphin's spot, Dauphin and Paling's spot. But because Paling has been playing excellent hockey, yes. But anyway, I'm not the coach, and they're winning, so I'm not gonna. So before we move on to Calgary, because I'm sure that's what we're going into next, um, I just want to bring up. Um, obviously, this is the first game the Canadians have played with Shifley in the lineup since the, uh, the incident during the playoffs. Um, we talked about it offline. I talked to a lot of people about it offline and it seemed that Shifley was, you know, ready for a, ready for a fight with Evans. If Evans was to ask him, everyone really called really everyone really called Shifley a bitch for saying it because you get a guy that's what six foot three, probably 210 pounds 
and Evans is much smaller. Let's just say a six foot, maybe what a buck 75, buck 80, something like that. So nothing really happened throughout the game, but you know, Shifley as he has been, and uh, I know Tim Peel called him out for it on Twitter. Yep. Um, if you guys haven't checked that out, head over to t- uh, Tim Peel's Twitter and uh, check that out. Um, but of all people that he fought, he decided to mix it up with 5'10", 180-pound Chris Weidman, who took him down, just, you know, just wrestled him down to the ground. The takedown. And Shifley got up like he just fucking knocked out Muhammad Ali and, <laughs> try, and you know, and tried to get the crowd into it and everything in a game that at that point. already out of hand. At that point, it was already 7-4, to four, I believe. So... They do play again this year, and I believe that uh, Shifley is going to have a huge target on his back, and uh, I think that uh, I think that it's going to be a much more physical game than what we saw. Um, obviously, there's going to be some change to the lineup, but um, I, th- I think we're still going to see a pretty physical game from the Canadians, and it's going to be one they're going to want to win. I'm kind of disappointed it was Weidman that had to go after him, personally, like well, I if get. anyone's going to make a case for wanting to stay in the league or show that they can step up for a teammate, I can understand why he would do it. I do, I understand why he did it. I'm just disappointed that he's the one that did it. Like, but we uh, know that Shifley wasn't going to fight anybody his size. That's the thing. Yeah. He wasn't yeah. going to fight somebody. Uh, Pazetta didn't even play that game. He didn't play. He played in game. Right? Canada. And he wouldn't have fought Pazetta. There's no yeah. goddamn way he would have fought somebody he, like Sherratt. He, he wouldn't have fought, fought Josh Anderson. Anderson. So you look at the people down the lineup and the list starts going down pretty quick Yeah, yeah of guys, uh, of guys that are actually going to throw down with him. Um, and Tim Peel called out uh, Shifley's character as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, and we've seen it in the past, we've seen the temper tantrums and everything. We even saw it um, in that series that, and then with that hit. Now, so, some it's, people... it's not, so it's nothing new. Yeah, some people I know who follow Winnipeg regularly think Shifley was the reason Line A was shipped out of uh, out of Winnipeg. Now that's just hearsay, of course, but there is where there's smoke, there's fire, and that's not. I've heard from other more reputable sources that Line A and Shifley did not get along in that locker room. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Mister floats like a butterfly, stings like a pillow. Yeah. For a big guy, he's not that tough. I mean, he just, acts it though. Just, he acts. Yeah. He acts. He acts yeah. it. But uh, I think that uh, I don't think it's over with uh, with the, with Montreal and with not. I'm not even going to say Winnipeg with Shifley. I, I don't think it's over yet. And um, this is something that could they could spill for a, for a, for a little while now. And Wait it's for gonna, the playoffs, right? So, but no, <laughs> it, it's something that could spill into next season multiple seasons depending on how it goes yeah you never know now um we'll see what happens the next time they play but we'll move on to the calgary game and this is a game that going into it i mean how many people thought that montreal was going to win not many i how many people i I thought it would be a close game but i I thought calgary would would when it went up three one i was like okay this makes sense And 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 then they said the magic word it was three one and Montreal's like, it's on, it's on. <laughs> and it's weird too. Cause they weren't wearing blue and white. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, before the game, we all expected the way St. Louis has been running the team. 
they'll try and keep it as close as possible. They'll make a good game of it, but a team that hasn't lost the game at home in 11 straight games uh, to Foley's first game against the Canadians, you know, we all expected that Calgary was going to win, but with, holy a, with shit. a goal by Toffoli. Yeah. With five goals by Toffoli, but, um, but Holy cow, the Canadians came out strong. They were down three, one, they never gave up. And, and to be honest, when it was three to one, I don't think they should have been down three, one. They deserved a better fate at that point. There's a, the first goal, a big de- defensive mishap between Petrie and Kulik, both of them, Mr. Man and Mr. Mr. Spot. But, uh, um, and the third goal was just a that backhand over the shoulder. Yeah. Oh, oh my that was God. just a beauty goal. Yeah. That was still so, a defensive breakdown and, it, yeah, it, you know, it, everyone it chasing the puck, but that, that was a, that was a goal that you can say it was a, it was a highlight real goal. And the yeah. placement of that backhand was, was incredible. And Manjipani is a Canadian's killer. Yeah. Uh, but then you had the uh, Nick Suzuki, uh, Ben Sherratt uh, <laughs> show happen. It's almost yeah. like they got together and say, hey, Ben, let's let's bump your value up and uh, yeah. we'll go out and go crazy. And uh, what I also loved about it is with three minutes to play, uh, up by a goal, he put Cole Caulfield on the ice, which never would have happened when uh, with Dom Ducharme. He put the nope. first line out. And he's like, you're my first line. You're going out. We would have been um, lucky to see Caulfield in the third period. Well, as soon as they went up by a goal, Caulfield yeah. would have been benched. So yeah. Caulfield it, was it, second it, in time on ice last night, only behind Suzuki. Against yeah. the very physical Calgary Flames. Yeah. And, so, uh, you know, they got a couple power play goals, They, uh, which is the one part that hasn't improved since uh, uh, St. Louis took over. Um, the overtime, basically – Suzuki Caulfield went out there, had their shift. Caulfield got on. Suzuki stayed. He switched with Pitlick, and the rest is history. Now, I, I want to talk about Suzuki a little bit before we get into this Sherratt and uh, other areas. But Suzuki, I think, had himself the best game of the year for him, his best game. He was very uh, the way that he was stick handling and he was controlling the pocket. I, I thought it was I thought it was incredible, and uh, I can say that really about the majority of the goals that were scored last night. It seemed like they were they came in on the rush. They you know it kind of just seemed like they slowed down the play a little bit, and so yeah, some of them were scramble goals like the like the Petrie goal, the first one of the game, but a lot of them were. Let's slow it down a little bit, and you had the defense coming in as like the Sherratt goal, or even the even the goal that was the uh, the the um, the uh, the go ahead goal. It was another one where Dauphin came in from uh, from a pass from Sherratt. He slowed things down, got it over to Hoffman. He took his time and he potted he potted himself his tenth of the season, and. With that, like it was just, it was just, uh, they weren't just shooting to shoot the puck like what we normally see, especially under Ducharme. And it was, it was a, honestly, we've said it this, this, this thing a few times of being in a breath of fresh air for this team. And last night, you know, Hoffman probably played his best game in the, in a Canadian's uniform. Four Suzuki, point night, yeah. Right. Suzuki, night, yeah. Suzuki is best game of the season. And, uh, probably the same we can say about Sherrod. Yeah, but now with Suzuki, um, what I noticed is that he was creating offense in tight near the goal. 
Now with a goalie like Markstrom, that's kind of what you need. You need him to scramble a bit. You need him to move. You need to open him up so you can get those chances. And the first goal that Petrie scored, yeah, it was a scramble. It was a slightly odd angle, but the pass between the legs, a backhand pass between the legs by Suzuki to get to an open Petrie who was stepping in, because that wasn't just to flick the puck to the middle and hope for the best. Because you, you could see him look over his shoulder and see the defenseman pinching in. May not have known who it was, but he saw the white jersey coming down. Those kinds of plays really highlight uh, his offensive ability. Something that is starting to we're starting to see a lot more of. Not to mention being in that close to the uh, to the net means taking punishment. And Suzuki played with a lot of jam in that game, and he was given as good as he got slashes to the back of the legs and back of the ankles and knees and cross checks into the kidneys. That's the kind of centerman that's going to be a first line center. I got to say though, when uh, he scored that goal on the power play, he did that little quick shot in that went under uh, the legs from the angle that he shot it at. I thought that Gallagher got a piece of it and I was very excited because I really want to see Gallagher pot a goal. And um, he tried to, and uh, those efforts might have led to the tying goal that went to overtime, but it really depends on how you look at that with a couple consecutive uh, icings. But I'll just leave it. I'll leave that at that. But overall, Gallagher played an amazing game. He did. Like, he, he did, did not did. score, but he had a direct hand in that win. Absolutely. Well, he got Markstrom off his game. He yes. did his job. Yep. And he surprisingly didn't have a goal called back on him when he was when they scored and he was in front of the net but uh, not like winnipeg (laughs) the little kicking scored with a kicking motion he had to keep the tradition alive you want to see a goal with a kicking motion look up jason spetz's last goal (laughs) yeah Yeah, they counted that one and they counted that one yeah but that's toronto yeah Yeah. (laughs) um uh i you know i feel bad for gallagher he's having a he's having a terrible year let's let's just be honest he's nowhere near hitting 20 goals uh i think he only has 12 points in total uh but his game is picked up his game has played better he's playing a different type of game uh and uh it'll be interesting i mean we're going to get into stuff later on but it'll be interesting to see what happens with gallagher in the future with the canadians now i want to get to the overtime and Rem Pitlick, you notice that St. Louis likes to use him. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that he has speed to burn. This, this waiver wire pickup with Rem Pitlick gives me shades of Byron. I think he's better than Byron. But it's that kind of, it's that kind of game that he plays. He plays with a lot of speed and he has speed to burn. He's younger than Byron was when they picked him up. So there's more, more runway there. But St. Louis likes to use guys who can really skate in his overtimes. Now, yes, he had Sherratt. Sherratt scored. But, I mean, he's kind of limited on the blue line of who he can send out. Well, the Calgary player fell at the goal line at the other end, and that gave Sherratt an opening to uh, come in. Like It's almost immediately because the, uh, the other Calgary player was defending against... 
I'm not sure who came on, who was on with uh, Sherratt. And was it Caulfield out in the corner? Hoffman. Hoffman. Oh, yeah. it was Hoffman, yeah. He was on Hoffman. So it really, once that guy fell, Sherratt was open. And Sherratt's not a bad skater. Like everyone, uh, he... It's I not think, what he's known for. It's not what he's known for, but he's not slow. He's not Joel Edmondson or he's not... Uh, Jim McCowan, you know what I mean? Jamie McCowan. He's like, he, he can actually, he can skate. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's no Blaine Podfang. He's, <laughs> he can skate. Uh, so I, I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong. He, I, he's not going to skate circles around anyone or anything like that. No. But uh, so when he kept up with Pitlick, uh, Pitlick at the pub was a nice pass over to him. And basically, he just kept a stick on the ice and directed it into the net and game over. So what did that put Pitlick in the rookie scoring races? Ah, now eighth. He's tied for ninth. Oh, 21 points. Well, I mean, all right. If you, if you count the ties, he's technically seven, but <laughs> if you count all the other ties ahead of him, uh, and uh, Cole Caulfield with an assist last night on the power play goal is now 10th tied for 10th in rookie scoring. It's and unbelievable Caulfield how well he's done offensively. has 12 points in 10 games. And the Canadians have played 10 games with Martin St. Louis. Just throwing it out there. Imagine an entire season of Caulfield under an someone ent- like St. Louis. An entire season under Cough under St. Louis with Caulfield. I would I would guess he would be battling uh uh the Troy guy there, uh, Raymond, Lucas Raymond oh, for Raymond. the uh and Michael. Might Martin even be a point per game player under St. Louis. He's more than a point per game player right now under St. Louis, so and it's not just goals. He's getting no. assists and he's getting points. So so the one thing I'm thinking right now is after they got rid of Bergevin and it was like, okay, we're going to, at one point, we're going to bring in a new GM. What if, uh, what if they would have done a coaching change a little bit sooner than what they actually did? It's hard what to you- say that they could have because of, the number of people that were under contract as coaches. And- well, that's right. And with the amount of injuries they had and everything yeah. like that, but just kind of makes you wonder. I don't think Gordon wanted to hire a new coach, to be honest with you. I think he wanted no. to ride to Sherm to the end. I think he wanted to finish bottom five. Uh, you know what I mean? Like he, I think he looked at the season as already pretty much over. Uh, I think the best thing for us to do now is play as best we can yeah. and, and get a good draft pick. And uh, I do think that his focus was on hiring a GM. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So that the GM can with, decide whether so these or not. Going back to going back to Josh Anderson, I think it was really the comments that he made after that blowout game <laughs> that we saw. And then obviously Ducharme lost his job. And I think they saw that this is one of our you know young leaders moving forward, a guy that we want to uh, have a part of the core of this team. And he's speaking this way about the current coach or about, about what's currently going on. And then we saw some change happen from there. And, and Petrie said it best afterwards. He goes, it's now fun to come back to the rink. So yeah. obviously they were losing and Ducharme wasn't doing a good job of trying to keep the morale up in the room. So, Or he couldn't figure out how to do it with this group. Correct. I mean, Ducharme's a good coach. He has won in the past. He's done a lot. He's worked his way up. I'm not saying that he's a bad coach. He just, he, he was handed a shit sandwich with everything that went on. He couldn't deal with it. And he just seemed to, 
lose the room. He couldn't adjust and coach to the player's skill set. Or convince the players to, to play do. to his. Yeah. But I, I don't think they had this. I don't think they had the team. I don't think they had the makeup of a team for Duchesne to play his. No, his stuff. no. You know, it, it's that's what happened to Julian last year. They kind of too much offense to play a defensive system. And you look at how they're playing now. It's offense. They're playing on their toes, and players, everybody who Are plays responding. hockey, prefers playing up on the toes, going after the offense, and that's what makes it fun. And that's probably why they're having more fun under St. Louis because he is pushing the offensive side of the game. I mean, I do believe Desharn's going to find a job in the NHL somewhere. Oh, absolutely. Maybe, maybe as an assistant coach, maybe not as a head coach right away, uh, but his win percentage is going to be a big factor in whether or not he gets a head coach. Again. Well, with all the COVID issues and the injury issues and uh, losing your captain and your starting goal, he's going to be, he's got plenty of built-in reasons as to why he deserves another chance. Hmm. He does, but I don't know. A two 72 win percentage. It's <laughs> not very good. Now um, we're going to talk about the, uh, the rumors. There's still some rumors circulating around the NHL, especially with the Canadians. And we'll, there was, I'm going to address some of the, uh, the chit chat that's been on social media about, Edmonton sending scouts to Montreal's last two games. I hate to break it to people, but it's not because Edmonton wants to trade for someone. Edmonton is the next opponent for the Canadians. They sent their pro scouts to just get a look at their opponent coming up. Lies, Blaine. Lies. No team does that. No, nobody. Nobody ever does that. I mean, could there be a trade? Maybe. Who knows? But Let's be honest. The more likely scenario is that and... they were watching Ben Chirot. <laughs> I'm going to stick to Occam's trailer. razor. <laughs> I'm going to stick to Occam, Occam's razor and say that the more likely solution is the correct one. And it's that they're just scouting their next opponent. Patriot Lackett and Chirot for dry subtle confirmed by Blaine Potvin. A B4. Have them feel it. Yeah. And Kyle B- Terrace's contract. <laughs> and dry settle at 50 percent. yeah future second line center that's, i'm gonna mark that down as a b5 <laughs> <laughs> now uh on to Sherrod because he is clearly on everybody front center on the front burner for the trades calgary apparently is still very interested in him and i think he made a very compelling case to acquire him yeah he did all right <laughs> yeah you know not bad. He just, I mean, he upped his value. Now it's three firsts and a A plus pros, two A plus prospects to get him. So, <laughs> so Pierre yeah. LeBrun during the game last night said that teams are still calling, and from what he's been reported on, the uh, the price right now is still too high. Obviously, that was before his performance last night. That could have maybe heated up the phones a little bit last night. We'll see, but uh, as of right now, there are. Quite a few teams that we've already discussed. Um, you know, I go up the list right now, and we can look pretty at pretty much every team in a playoff spot. Pretty yeah, much, pretty much. Pretty much. But like yeah, Carolina, Toronto, St. Louis, uh, Florida, the Pan or uh, St. Louis, Florida, Calgary, uh, Boston, as well, and the Rangers. 
Now, LeBron also said a lot of teams are looking for cap. They don't have the cap space to pick yeah. up yeah. people. And, and the that, Canadians are willing to take up 50% of his cap. So yeah. I don't think that's going to be that big of a problem. It's just till the end of the year, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which could increase his value in a trade, which is fine. But I, I think it's it, the cap, you know, deadline cap has a, a, a role to play here. But I also think Hampus Lindholm and what Anaheim's going to do with him is the domino that we're waiting to see fall. Do they re-sign him? Do they put him on the market? Because right now, the, no one's too sure on what Verbeek is going to do. I don't think Verbeek is. He just got there. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, um, Lindholm is the better of the two. Let's let's be honest. Lindholm's yeah. the, the, the go-to guy, but you're right. Uh, no, And also you have, uh, what's his name, Arizona? Uh, Chichurin. 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 Um, yeah. See, I have questions about him. I, I, I would... I would think a team going into the uh, the playoffs would rather a Sherratt than a Chitron. Well, the other thing with Chitron is because he still has term left on yeah, his deal. Yeah, exactly. And he's young. He's he's only what twenty four or twenty. Yeah, he's still. Well, yeah, 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 he's still young. Yeah. I think that would be more of a summer deal, just because there's there's cap implications, you know, in the next couple of seasons, and he's going to cost way more than Sherratt ever would. But I, I'm curious as to why Arizona even wants to trade trade him at 24 years old, a good young defense. He's a top four defenseman. They're rebuilding. Um, maybe he doesn't want to play in a 3,500 seat stadium. Well, from the rumors going on, or I know we're getting away from the Canadians, is there's a lot of players in Arizona right now that don't want to play in the 3,500 seat arena. So, I mean, <laughs> some of them played in larger arenas when they were in junior. <laughs> midget but uh i i i Sherratt will be traded by the 19th of march that is what oh, i'm yeah. calling right now <laughs> calling it <laughs> yeah yeah I, I don't know if they're going to wait until the last day i think I don't it's know more sooner rather than later i just finished a article on trade deadline deals by the canadians and they do not like to make trades on the deadline day they do them all before a week or so before but uh but what did gordon do I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just asking. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't look at what Gordon did. I was looking at Canadian trades. But uh, Sherrod will be gone. I think uh, Weidman's going to be gone. I think uh, Kulak's going to be gone. I think you're going to see a lot of their UFAs go for something. Um, maybe not Paquette, because really, what difference does it make? Only but, because uh, you can only, you can only give up so many first round picks to get him. So, yeah. So, there's not enough. And then the picks. NHL is going to be like, you can't give up like 10 yeah. years of first round picks. Like, no, yeah, you like, cannot have the 20 to 30 second first round pick in this draft. <laughs> <laughs> Although, first I round think, pick in 2051. Yeah. I'm not too sure about Weidman leaving. I don't, maybe he'll go for a late round pick. But one player I know, I, I have a pretty good de- idea that he's going to leave is Perot. Perot would be a good bottom six pickup for yep. any team. I don't mind a fifth Perot. or like, sixth round pick is all it would take to take him. Uh, I think Kulak's going to be gone. I think teams are going to be looking at someone who can move the puck and has a good transition game in them. Um, Lekkonen, I think is I think it's sixty forty. Lekkonen stays. 
if someone steps up and provides the uh, the package you're looking for, absolutely. And, and I think, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, and uh, yeah, because they're not going to just trade them away for a second, n- not even just a first. They'll need something significant in return. Maybe it's a new starting goaltender. Who knows? But it's it has to be something of significance. What about Pitlick with how he's played? Do you think that think he's they- a... Oh, go ahead. I think he stays. Oh, yeah. I think he's the reason Lackening gets traded because they're both RFAs. And I think the RFA they're going to sign is Pitlick. And I think they're going to let Lackening, uh, they're, they're going to tra- try to trade Lackening. Because Pitlick is they... going to be about $3 million cheaper. He is. And he's, they could, they could sign him till, I think he still has. Yeah, this he's RFA. Yeah, he's RFA this year. Two more seasons. This year, two more seasons in RFA. So they can sign him for two years at, Two million a season, or if that, because Lekkinen's going to want Armia money. So, and why wouldn't he? Really, why wouldn't he? You, I would ask for more than Armia money. Like if Armia is making, what's he making? Four million or three point four? Three point four. Three point four. is probably going to ask for four million. And, and for me, that is the reason why they have him available on the trade block. Correct. Is because of that cap issue. Yeah. What he brings to the team is is excellent. You know, you're, you're not, but they have, they have guys like Pitlick in the, in the wings. They have Yelonen who's going to need a spot to, pl- to move yeah. up into. And there, there's two guys that you're signing to deals that would be, that would add up to less than what Lekkanen is making now. I mean, you could argue, well, get rid of Armia or Byron. Well, Armia with the way he's playing and his contract. Would you trade for him? I wouldn't trade for him. Why would it? Why? I, I would, I'll, 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 you know, you give me a first in Armia and I'll take him. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'll take yeah. him if you give me a first or a second or two seconds. It'll be, um, it'll be. And Byron's the same way. Byron's too old with a big contract. No, I was like, well, I don't want Byron. <laughs> I mean, he'll, he'll be helpful and he's injury prone. It's going to be really interesting to see if they do move out. Um, guys like Sherratt, Kulak, maybe Weidman, etc. You start getting rid of some of those names. As of right now, we look at the NA, more or less the NHL players on the team. They've only got three players on defense signed next year. Yeah, and, what, and one may not be there. Yeah, being yeah, Petrie. The other I one, the, the right? Petrie gets dealed in the offseason. So, and apparently. The, those they're still taking calls but you this all you have that, right now is Savard, Evanson, and Petrie that are signed next year I don't obviously think that Romanov is going to go anywhere I think Schooneman's going to be back and we might see one of the young guys jump in or we might see some uh might might see a little bit of work during the um during the off season, or you know maybe they're gonna just rip apart an animal or something and try to rebuild Shea Weber um, you <laughs> but know, this we is where the McNiven <laughs> trade opens up some space, especially yeah. under the contract. It brings because now they're down to forty-seven. Yeah. They can sign Harris. Harris could be a guy they bring in. Yeah. Um, but for now, I think by moving Sherratt out, you get that first-round pick. You get that other asset, possibly. Teams that are going in the playoffs are all salivating over having a guy with playoff experience who plays the way Sherratt plays. That's right. Especially one that they can sign to a, a another deal that they they're more comfortable with. Yeah. 
but that opens up an, yet another contract position. So, you know, maybe Harris just steps right in once he's done his NCAA season. And, and well, it depends on what, which depends on what comes back. Yeah. Right. I don't think up another think, contract. I don't think a contract comes back for sure. Maybe. If they eat half the cap, I don't think so. But if they don't, maybe. Uh, maybe Lekkinen. Maybe if Lekkinen's deal, you see a contract come back. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I think Sherratt's a first or a first in a prospect or something to that effect, and that, that's what you're getting. I mean, because if they get a first for Sherratt, there's three first-round picks they have in, in, yeah. in this draft. So they don't really need another first-round pick. And they already said they, they prefer prospects over picks. So. Yeah, Lekkinen's a D-plus-two go kind of player. Yeah, Lekkinen's going to go for a prospect and probably a roster player if he goes. All right. Uh, covered quite a bit of ground in this episode. We had a lot to cover, so uh, I think we're pretty much caught up. We're going to go with some final thoughts. Um, Matt, what about you? Speaking of first-round picks, um, Ivan Miroshenenko has been uh, diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. So we're going to wish him all the best. And hopefully we're going to see him uh, back on the ice at one day. He is arguably a top 15 pick in this year's draft, maybe top 10. Um, obviously this is a, you know, a bigger than hockey situation. However, he will be still uh, eligible for the draft and I'm just going to, Wonder if a team's going to uh, use a pick on him, thinking in the future that he's going to be healthy to come back into uh, into uh, play, back into playing. But for right now, you know this is bigger than hockey. Worry about getting uh, getting better and getting through this disease, and um, you know we'll uh, we'll see we'll see what happens. On that, Radian Amarov. Right, right, right. Rodan Mirov. Rodan Mirov has a brain tumor uh, for the prospect for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. A guy who I wanted the Habs to draft uh, at 16th, if anyone recalls those shows. Um, anyway, he's, uh, I think this is not the first time he's had a growth or something like that from, I, I don't know the whole story, but uh, he, uh, anyway, all the best wishes to him and uh, hope he recovers and. Uh, is able to get to the NHL and uh, props to the Toronto Maple Police for their little video that they sent them uh, um, wishing them good luck and stuff. Uh, I'd like to say welcome home to Eli Sherbatov. He, uh, for those who followed the queue, you know, he was a very popular player out here. Um, he was playing professional hockey in the Ukraine and he got stuck in behind uh, when the war had begun. But he made it back home now. He's home safe with his his wife and, and child. So it's nice to see him home. Uh, and for anyone who uh, wants, feels like they need to do something to help the Ukraine, there are several uh, uh, charities that you can give to. Uh, the Canadian government, if you're a Canadian citizen, uh, there's some links that you can go to their, the government website and they're willing to match donations to specific organizations such as the Red Cross. So check that out. Uh, if you can't donate, um, you know, whatever you feel like you can do to support uh, some people that just do not deserve what they're getting right now. Um, and for me, that's, that's pretty much it. I just want to remind everyone to go to habsunfilter.net. Um, 
we have a whole whack load of uh, partners such as Boxing Rock, No Name Hockey. Um, go check out some of their, their giving, seatgiant.ca. There's all kinds of deals that we're, uh, that we're able to provide for you. Go to habsunfilter.net, check that out. Save some money when you're buying hockey equipment, beer, uh, tickets. We're full service. So uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. And uh, remember, if you were talking about it, so are we. Be sure to go to HabsUnfiltered.net to check out all the great giveaways, all the great sponsors, all the promo codes for each sponsor to save you money on amazing products. Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.